We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. My dad used to say, well, what do you know? Now, I normally say that when something surprising happened. Well, what do you know? You're up already. Or, well, what do you know? It actually happened out of surprise. Or maybe something that didn't think would happen actually takes place. Well, what do you know? Sometimes he was saying it. Well, what do you know? Just that, what's going on in your life? You know, catch me up. You know, how's college going? Whatever it might be. Uh, sometimes it was, well, what do you know? Look what the cat drug in. You know, that was another of his expressions. Uh, it's good to see you. It would be for that. You know, uh, usually it is a surprise. Well, what do you know? Wow. Thank you, Jesus. I know we were, uh, I was stringing rope between a tree this week, and Logan, our grandson, was helping, uh, helping me do this, wrapping rope around the tree and going from one tree to the next. Cindy was going to hang quilts on there for a garage sale. And, and so we were doing this. We got close to the, we have an electric fence because the, the deer love our backyard. And so uh, we tried everything, but uh, finally went to an electric fence around our yard and we stretch uh, a couple lines across the driveway at night. And, and so uh, we were right close to that driveway. And Logan was kind of uh, trying to figure out how that, that gate worked, where you hook it up. And uh, I was up on a ladder. And all of a sudden, I heard this, whoo, like that. Well, what do you know? There's actually juice there. Yeah. And he was standing there, you know, wide eyes and... And uh, he had touched the fence plenty of times, but apparently he got, touched it just right. And so, well, what do you know? What do you know? You know, there's lots of things we think we know. I am finding out I know less and less every day. Uh, I used to be, I would say, it's got to be true. It's on the Internet. Right? You, you, if it's on the Internet, it's got to be true. Right? Well, I finally learned uh, the hard way that it's not necessarily true just because it's on the Internet. But it's got to be true if it's on the news, right? Because they could not report any falsehoods on the news, right? I, I'm learning that I do not know what's true anymore apart from God's Word. Other than that... Uh, I don't know if it's true or not. And I, I hate to sound skeptical or cynical, but it's becoming more apparent to me that there is less and less truth out there, except when it comes to God's Word. Where we're at in 2 Corinthians is Paul saying... Well, what do you know? Well, what do you know? Kind of almost in awe. Well, what do you know? And then he goes on to give us five things, at least I have picked out five things from this passage, that we can know. Actually, no. Now, Paul doesn't say it. Well, I think you can know this. 
He says, no, I am persuaded of this. What do you suppose he means by that? And he says it twice. I am persuaded. I am persuaded. There is no doubt in Paul's mind that this is true. This is God's word, so there is no doubt in my mind that this is true. And by the time we finish, I hope that you know five things. Now, whether you jot them down or not, it doesn't matter, but uh, I hope you know five things. They're not things that are necessarily new. In fact, they are not new if you've been a believer very long. But these are five things. Well, what do you know? What do you know? Paul says that the invisible world is real. Do you know that? That there's an invisible world out there, and it is real. Now, I've gone back. This is a letter. This is not chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. It is not uh, those chapter headings were not put in there by Paul. This is a letter he wrote to a church of believers at Corinth. And so I just dropped back into chapter 4 that we finished up last week. And the invisible world is real. Look at verse 18, uh, the verse right before chapter 5. So it's 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, that's the visible, but at the things that are not seen, the invisible. For the things that are seen are temporary, temporal. But the things which are not seen, the invisible things, are eternal. What do you know? You know that there is the invisible world, and the visible world, invisible world, is real. I'm afraid that we live like this is the only world there is. Uh, Think about that. Did you spend this week thinking there is more than just this world? Now, this was the greatest week ever, this past week, greatest week ever ever as far as weather. And we're right in the heart of uh, the Garden of Eden, if there were that, here. And, uh, And so it is difficult for us to get our minds off of this world. But Paul says, hey, it is the invisible things that are real. What do you, well, what do you know? That the invisible world is real. Believe it. Experience, if we had time, we would read Hebrews chapter 11, uh, where it describes that, uh, well, it begins by Abraham looked for the city of God, whose builder and maker is God. So he, he wasn't looking at the, the world around him. He was looking for the eternal, for the invisible. Uh, he turned his back on Sodom. Now, his nephew Lot, it says, he looked and saw that uh, uh, Sodom, the plains of Sodom, were watered uh, continually. They had all that they needed. And so he was drawn to the things of this world. It didn't end well for for, uh, Lot. Certainly didn't end well for his wife, who turned into the pillar of of salt. But uh, that's because they were focused on this world. Where is your focus? Um, I do not want to spend all of my time focused on this life. You know, I could. I, I could think my, my focus could be my, a 401k if I had one of those things. 
Uh, it could be retirement, if I ever thought that I would retire. Uh, it could be focused on uh, our backyard, which we, we spend time in our backyard. But the invisible world is real. Now, it is easier to witness to a person who believes that the invisible world is real than to someone who does not believe the invisible world is real. I'm saying it is easier to witness to a, a witch or a warlock or whatever it is because they believe that there is an invisible world. Now, they have a distorted view of that and they are worshiping a different master, but it is easier to witness to them because they know it's true. I was uh, walking through the fellowship hall once and there were two ladies in our, in our kitchen there and and I think kind of from jest, I heard one of them say, well, my grandma still haunts that house. I stopped, well, what, what did you say? I wasn't part of the conversation, but I wanted to be part of the conversation. What did you say? Well, my grandma still haunts the house that she grew up in. Uh, I said, well, uh, <laughs> You know, you, you realize that Scripture does not say that you, the spirits of the dead, hang around here on this earth, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it does say, and we're going to look at it today, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, but all of these things keep happening just like happened when Grandma was living in the house. Well, of course. Grandma had Satan's angels around her. If she was a Christian, she had Satan's angels around there trying to cause her to stumble and fall, and just like we do. And that person, that angel, and I call them angels rather than demons. I could call them demons. Uh, they know, they watch us. They know uh, every weakness we have, and you can bet they knew everything about Grandma. And so if they want to cause somebody else to stumble uh, by making it seem like grandma's still there, they'll do it. But because the invisible world is real, but uh, our spirits do not hang around down here. That's what we're going to look at in this passage. Visible world is real. Now, uh, Hebrews 1 says that the things we know for real are accepted by faith. And so we accept those things by faith. And we have to be in God's word to know. Sometimes Cindy and I think that we have a bit of heaven in our backyard. In fact, you know, a, a lady came to the garage sale, and can I walk around behind? And she came back, and she said those very words. You have a bit of heaven in your backyard. Well, we know that a heaven is so much greater, uh, but maybe we'll have the opportunity to, to attend a garden in the millennial reign of Christ. That would be exciting. So what do you know? Well, what do you know? That the invisible world is real. Well, what do you know? That uh, my body is perishing. Now, do you know that? Some of you young people, might, you, you haven't figured that out yet. But you will. 
you get a few more years on you, uh, you'll realize that our bodies are perishing. How do I know that that's for real? Well, first of all, uh, going to uh, verse 16 of chapter 4, just going back and picking up where Paul is coming from. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. God's word says, Paul says, my, my body's perishing. Now, I know it because I can observe it. I can observe it in, in uh, Paul. Paul's no longer around. His life perished. His body perished. And I, can, I know it's true because my mom and dad are no longer around. They perished. Their bodies perished. I can know it because I can see it. Uh, you know, there's an old man that looks at me every morning in the mirror. Why? Because my body is perishing. It just happens. But it's no big deal. That's what he's saying here. It's no big deal because verse 16 ends, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. The spirit is renewed day by day. It is uh, continuing to prepare for eternity. So you don't give up on reading God's word when you get old. You don't stop praying uh, because your inward man is preparing for eternity. Study for the finals. Uh, cram for the finals. Uh, read God's word. Learn all you can. Because you're go about, when you get old, you're about to go into the eternal. And so uh, it's no big deal because we're, per we're getting stronger inside. It's no big deal because any pain or discomfort that we might go through is light in comparison to what Jesus did. We heard the light affliction and temporary here. It says in verse 17, light affliction and but for a moment, temporary. Even if we suffered all of our lives, it would be nothing in comparison to the blessings we're going to receive in glory. So if you feel like giving up because you're suffering, it is nothing in compared to what you're going to receive in glory. So uh, I can observe this perishing, but I do not want to focus on it or become obsessed about it because my body won't last long, but my soul will last for eternity. Uh, this on Monday, my sister Judy called. She's, oh, she's a year and a half younger than me, and so we were close all through, uh, through our lives, still close. She called me from Missoula, Montana, out there, and she's been a nurse there for years. And she called and she said, uh, Dave, I have something I want to tell you. Now, Judy was married to Jan Schrader. Jan Schrader was an assistant at Bryan Avenue when I was there. Uh, then he took the church over here at Hinckley and was there for years. Judy and Jan were there for years. Then they moved to Missoula and pastored a church there until Jan died of cancer. And uh, a while back, five or six years ago, uh, my sister Judy met Glenn Bees. And Glenn Bees grew up in, at Fourth Baptist, and some of you know his parents and, and grandma. And, uh, and so uh, she wa he was married, Glenn was married to Trish uh, until she died of cancer. So... Sister Judy calls and says, Dave, 
Uh, there's something I need to tell you. I just found out this morning that I have breast cancer. And I do not know how extensive it is, but as we prayed and as she closed her conversation, she said, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good through her tears. Because whatever happens, it is the, the body perishes, but the spirit is renewed day by day. Well, what do you know that the invisible world is real? That my outward man is perishing, my body is perishing. And third, that my soul is eternal. That's what he says in chapter 5, verse 1. My soul is eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So what do you know? That my soul is eternal. Now, this earthly house that it says here in verse 1 is not talking about 16658 Jacksonville Drive, Brainerd, Minnesota. That's the address for our earthly house in a context that we have when we're looking for directions. That's not what he's saying here in verse 1. He said, if we know that our earthly house of this tabernacle, tabernacle here means tent. The tabernacle in the Old Testament was a tent where people came to worship God. So it means uh, a tent. And so our earthly house is my body. A house made with not, without hands is my, a new body, not a home in heaven. See, it's talking, he's talking about bodies here, that our bodies perish, and, and he's letting us know that. My body is temporary. A tent is temporary. Earlier in chapter 4, it was the earthen vessel, wasn't it? When, remember that? Earthen vessel is just temporary. It doesn't last very long. This tent does not last very long. When we were kids, we did a lot of camping there in Montana. We would go up into the mountains. Usually, we didn't even take a tent, but if there was supposed to be rain, we'd take a tent. It was an old canvas tent is all we had, nothing like the beauties that they have now. But this old canvas tent, and we would haul that up there, weighed 1,000 pounds. We'd put it on the back of our Honda 90 uh, trail bike and strap it on there along with a, a an army box filled with food, and then we would all walk up into the mountains up and find a campsite along the creek. And I'd take our fishing poles, and we would catch fish to eat. And, and so, uh, but this tent, we would string it up. Every time we would string it up, it would rip more. I mean, because we wanted to keep it tight and not sag, so we would tighten it up and just rip. The corners would rip. And that's this earthly house. Uh, Paul describes it with groans in verse 2, burdened in verse 4, swallowed up in verse 4. So this tabernacle, this tent, is our old bodies. Realizing that here in this passage, Paul says there are three possible bodies for believers. You know what they are? Three possible bodies. The first is this old tent, and it is perishing. Second possible body 
is what Paul calls naked, found naked in verse 3. Nakedness. He's not saying naked as a jaybird. You know, he's not talking about that. He's talking about when this body falls to the ground with a heart attack or, you know, I'm thinking that I'm going, they're going to find me along the trail someplace, leaned up against a tree, sitting there trying to catch my breath, and it doesn't come anymore. So, gone. Uh, I've mentioned sometimes that, you know, what a great privilege it would be for, for me to die preaching. Traumatic for you guys, but <laughs> a, a great privilege for me. Uh, but someday, this body, maybe, uh, Paul says, the second body he refers to as nakedness that means just without the old earthly body that's what he's talking about without the old earthly body and this is a transitionary body that we receive that all my mom and dad have transitionary bodies they have bodies and and they are like Christ somewhat but that is not their final body It is a temporary transitional body that is spiritual, that can be with Jesus Christ. Because to be absent from this old body is to be present with the Lord. So they've got to have some bodies up there. And so uh, that's the second body. The third is for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Um, the third body is the resurrected body that will not happen until 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says it happens during the uh, rapture or the catching away. You know, you don't find rapture in the Bible, but you, catch, you find the word catching away. You'll be caught up to be with the Lord. The trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ, these old Bodies, these old tents that are in the ground, the old tents come out of the ground. Uh, ashes, if they're spread, gather together. Uh, they're, uh, wherever they've been eaten by fish because they're out in the ocean and, and they drown, they're eaten by fish and they're scattered all over. And all of that comes together into uh, and meets their soul in the air, their spirit in the air. And such will they be with the Lord then forever. Three bodies, this old body, a transitionary body, if we die before the rapture. See, the possibility is that we might not need that transitionary uh, body. In fact, Paul is groaning uh, so that, and saying, I am praying that God just comes back and catches us away now so I don't have to be found in this naked Condition or this uh, temporary body. He was growing. That's, the, that's what I'm praying for, too. I am praying that I do not need to die, that I can just be caught up off this earth, skip the middle body. I would like that. Paul wanted that. He didn't get it. I want that. I might not get it, depending on the election, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But um, I would like to skip that body. I know I was talking to a good friend this week, and, and he said, I don't mind dying. Uh, I just 
don't like all of the uncertainty that comes with dying. The uncertainty, how much pain will it be? If I die of COVID, how, how painful is that going to be? Will I be able to stand the pain? Will it last three weeks or will it last for uh, six months? Or, or, you know, Dick Dean uh, has been praying to go to be with the Lord. He's, he's gone through two or three hospice cares, and they kicked him off because he just lasted too long. He just keeps going and going, and, and uh, he would love to go to be with the Lord. But, uh, you know, you, you, you don't want to die or you don't mind dying. You're not afraid of dying. I don't think believers really are afraid of dying. It's just, like Mark Twain said, I think, you just don't want to be there when it happens, right? I don't mind dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. So I don't either, but I know. What do you know? I know that my soul is eternal. Well, what do you know? That the invisible world is real that my body is perishing, that my soul is eternal, and that I'm guaranteed a new body. See, Paul is putting this all together saying, hey, you have a guarantee that you're going to receive a new body, so you have nothing to worry about. There's, do you have anything around that has a guarantee on it? Well, you fill out papers, you fill the forms, you send them all in, do it online, and then if something happens, you find out, well, it's a limited warranty or a limited guarantee. Just so happens, there's only one thing that isn't guaranteed, and that's what went wrong with yours. I am sorry. So sorry. It just, you know, guarantees. But if you get a guarantee from God, and look, this is the greatest guarantee that anyone could ever receive. And in verse, uh, verse uh, 5 it says, now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Now, you don't see that word guarantee in there, do you? But you see a word called uh, earnest. And uh, sometimes we use that word earnest, not very often. He was really earnest. What does that mean? Well, he was really sincere. He was really telling the truth. That's kind of what it means. But Paul, when Paul wrote this, he meant it was like earnest money that you put down on a piece of property or a house. It's the earnest money. Oh, what's earnest money? It, it's money that shows, hey, I'm really serious. That's where we get calling a person earnest. He's really serious. Uh, earnest money is, I'm seriously considering this, I want to buy this, I'm going to put this money down, and it's a great amount of money because what is this earnest money that guarantees that we get new bodies? It is the Spirit of God. So uh, God the Spirit is placed in every believer as the earnest that you're going to get a new body someday. This is a promise. And I will not go back on my promise, God says, because I am not going to forfeit God the Spirit. It's like, hey, we're really earnest about this piece of property, so we're going to give you a grandchild. I, w I would say, a, a, I'd say Nate. I mean, we, we thought about that a few times. And, uh, and then go back on our, our promise. 
But no, we would never go back on a promise if it was the life of someone uh, we love. God the Spirit, God the Father is never going to go back on that promise. You're going to have a new body. Why? Because you're guaranteed by having the Holy Spirit. And he'll not lose that money. It was a pledge. And uh, it's, it's nice to have something that's guaranteed. We're going to have a new body. Now, there's all kinds of things to worry about. All of the things that you're worrying about right now, the one thing you do not have to worry about if you're a believer is about whether you're going to have a new body in glory, a glorified body, because it's guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, one of the verses we read earlier, verse 22, uh, 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts? Talks about the earnest of the Spirit or the part payment or the deposit. And that's been given. We are guaranteed. Now, the earnest also. In modern Greek, now earnest means an engagement ring. Uh, 47 years ago, Cindy and I went for a walk in Montana uh, where we, we lived in a cabin next to the stream, Mill Creek, and we walked across the creek and we walked down the creek, a beautiful little area, and uh, in one of the forts we had, and I had the lamest engagement. I don't know whether I got down on my knee or what I did, but during that time, I gave Cindy a ring and asked her to marry me. And uh, she said yes. Um, and so our lives changed from that time. When she put on the engagement ring, that is what earnest means today in the modern Greek. Engagement ring, a promise, a pledge. Now, engagements don't mean much anymore. I mean, I, I watch these engagements take place you know, somebody will send me a clip from YouTube, and, and they are so clever on how they do that. And they have it all set up, and it is beautiful. In fact, the engagement part lasts longer than their marriages, usually. Uh, and they're so, so neat. I said, boy, I wish I could have been so that clever. Uh, but uh, that really wasn't the important part of the engagement. The engagement was, as we were promising ourselves to each other, and we've had 46 years. Uh, I used to say we've had uh, uh, 20 great years of marriage, and out of 46, that's not bad, right? Uh, but uh, no, we've had a great life together, but our lives changed from that. Why? Because we promised uh, ourselves to each other, and uh, we became eager, eager eager to spend our lives together. And we were motivated to please. That's what verse 8 says. We are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with our fiancé. That Paul says, I can't wait. He's, he's my fiancé. He's given me the engagement ring of the Holy Spirit. He's changed my life. And I can't wait to go to be with the Lord, to be present with him. And he's motivated by it in verse 9. Wherefore, we labor, 
that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. The things that I did after that were focused on being together with Cindy. And she uh, set up an apartment in Minneapolis, and I was going to go there and, and be a welder while I went to seminary. And, and so uh, her focus was doing nice things for me, getting it ready. And my focus was, well, finishing uh, Pillsbury and then getting married and, and uh, serving her, eager, motivated. Well, what do you know? You know, these are the things we know, that the invisible world is real, that my body is perishing, that my soul is eternal, that I'm guaranteed a new body, and last, in a couple minutes, that my life down here will be evaluated. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, and this word bad is worthless, whether it's worthy or worthless, the things we do. Uh, we've got to be careful how we live. We should be motivated. By our, we're going to go and, and be uh, examined by our fiancé. The wedding day is going to happen. It's going to take place. Are you ready for it here? We've got to evaluate our words I had the teen boys on Wednesday evening, and we, we talked about James 3 and, and our tongues, and we've got to watch the things we say. Our words are going to be evaluated. We've got to watch what we put on Facebook, because that's going to be evaluated. I just glanced this morning while I was eating breakfast. There was a headline that Cindy was going through the news, and there was a headline that says some lady, I don't know who she was, she may have lost her bid to be uh, Joe Biden's... Uh, uh, VP, uh, Vice President, because of her vulgar language from years past. So she probably still has that language. It doesn't just disappear unless you come to know Christ. We've got to watch our words. Our words are going to be evaluated someday for good or for bad. My actions are going to be evaluated someday. It is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. Am I faithful before God? Uh, Christ will evaluate that. My attitudes, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, are those things that are coming through here? Or do I, it, it's the things that people are going to notice about me or maybe my nastiness or, or my uh, negativity or, or whatever it might be. Uh, this evaluation doesn't determine whether I'm going to get into heaven or not. I, I've got the engagement ring on. The Holy Spirit in. And so that doesn't, that's not going to change that. It's going to change the rewards that you get. The Bema Seed is like uh, an award platform uh, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It describes it as, okay, we stand before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, and the things that are done in the flesh were wood, hay, and stubble, and they burnt up in smoke, and the things that are done in the Spirit are eternally uh, they are gold, silver, and precious stone. So, while we're in this flimsy tent, we need to be working towards the eternal. Not quite so concerned about the temporal or the flimsy tent side of it. And we have two motivations. Verse 8, 
longing to be with Jesus, and verse 10, realizing we'll be evaluated. Does that motivate you? I would love to hear Christ say, well done, or Dave, you done good. Uh, he probably wouldn't say it like that, but uh, I would love that. Uh, Cindy and I went and picked up uh, the, the tent of Ben Peterson several years ago. And uh, we picked it up over at Fergus Falls where they were living, someplace around there, where they were living, and, and we transported it back here to Nelson Doran Funeral Home just to save on, on, on finances for the family. And so as we did, they, they could not zip uh, the bag up over Ben's face because that would leave impressions. And so we traveled with him, and, and his face was between the two of us in the van. And, uh, and we spent the first half hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, talking to Ben. And we knew that that was just his tent. But we, we ask, what's it like to be with your Savior? Uh, did, did hundreds of Brazilians, because they, they had been in Brazil for over 40 years, did hundreds of Brazilians meet you uh, at the gate or on the shore or whatever you want to call it? Uh, is it exciting to, to worship Jesus Christ and God the Father face to face? Ben was motivated because of his desire to be with God. He was motivated also that he knew someday he would stand and be evaluated by Jesus, his Savior. Does that motivate you? Well, what do you know? There's a song we used to sing. I'm not going to sing it. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So let us run the race till we see Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can know some very important things. Might it motivate us to live for you and not for self, please. And if there's someone here without the engagement ring of the Holy Spirit on their hand or in their hearts right now. Now is the time. If that's your prayer, you say, I need Jesus. Would you raise your hand? If you say, would you pray for me, Pastor? I need Jesus. Would you lift your hand let me pray for you? Father, thank you that we're going to have eternal bodies someday. Might we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.